Well, good evening. Good to see you. Good to see you, those of you who are with us there online, whether you're on Facebook, on YouTube, uh, on Twitter, any of those platforms, be sure to heart, to like, to share there. Uh, if you need the number for the phone live streaming, we'll be glad to give that to you. Just call the church office, or you can ask me after the service. I'll be glad to give that to you if you know of someone who can use that. But want to say welcome to all of you who are watching there. If you have prayer requests tonight, let me just remind you, go ahead and go over to Facebook if you have access there uh, to be able to comment there, and you can make your comments there for any prayer requests during the live part of the service. If you have requests and you want to comment in any of the other platforms, except for our phone live streaming, uh, you can uh, just make the comments there, and uh, we'll see those after the service tonight and get those added to the prayer list. If you have access to the church website at highlandbaptistchurch.com, go under the info tab. You can download all those things, the worship bulletin, uh, the children's worship bulletins. Those are in the windowsill to my right if you want to take some and share uh, with others. Uh, don't forget you need your prayer list if you're here in person tonight. They're on the ends of the front pews. Uh, they're under that info tab for you online also, so be sure to get that downloaded uh, as we go through our prayer list tonight. And while you're there on the church website, go to the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab. You can do your regular online giving. Uh, you can also do your giving for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. You can do that in person. Offering envelopes are all around the sanctuary, as well as the Lottie Moon Christmas offering envelopes are. Just continue to pray uh, for those missionaries. Continue to pray that we would reach our goal. We're getting so close, and we just pray that uh, we'll be able to go over that uh, goal here very shortly. And then also, if you've been here with us on Sunday mornings, we want to remind you that we are back in our Who's Your One emphasis. Uh, we have cards that are down here at the front if you want to grab one tonight. Uh, basically, you just have a place at the top here that you fold. Uh, you write an individual's name. You can just write their first name if you want. Uh, who's your one that you're going to pray for uh, to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior in this coming year. And so I encourage you to write that name, put it in the offering plate uh, in any of our services, and then we're going to start adding those uh, to the cross over here. We'll have some on the cross uh, this coming Sunday. But the rest of the bookmark is for you uh, to also write that person's name. And then it's got 30 days of, of scripture uh, for you to pray through each day, praying for that individual praying through the scriptures for them uh, to come to faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. So I encourage you to pick one of those up. You may have done one of these in the past, uh, but it's, it's still a great opportunity to do. In fact, when we started, and I'll share this again Sunday, because I know our group is smaller uh, on Wednesday nights, but I know that when we started this a couple of weeks ago, Samantha went back and started checking a couple of her people online to see what's going on with them. And one of hers that she had been praying for got baptized last Sunday. And so we just praise the Lord uh, for that. So Brother Mike, if you'll come and lead us in our hymn tonight. is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchased of God, born of the Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight. 
descending bring from above echoes of mercy, whispers of love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I and my Savior am happy and blessed. Watching and waiting, looking above, filled with his goodness, lost in his love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Amen. Hopefully, you've had a chance to get your prayer list uh, downloaded. I am on uh, Facebook uh, there also, uh, so please make sure to make your comments uh, there. Uh, let us know you're there. Uh, just make a little bit more of a comment that I'm here uh, or something like that. Make it a little bit longer than that. It'll go in their algorithms that it shows that it's something that's uh, important to you and it'll help to get the word out even more than you just liking it more than you just commenting your name and saying I'm here. So you may want to give a prayer request there. Uh, you may want to invite others to join uh, also. So uh, hopefully you've got your prayer list there uh, downloaded. Uh, we're not going to go through every person on the list tonight, uh, but we are going to just hit a few here, and I do have an update to give on one of those on our friends and family side that we've been praying for for some time that uh, we haven't had an update on uh, in a little while. So on our family side, on the Highland Baptist Church family side, I uh, just want to continue to remember uh, Brother Jack Doubt. Uh, he's watching online uh, on Facebook there. I saw his comment a while ago, so glad to have you with us, Brother Doubt. Uh, and then also, can we just continue to remember him with his medical issues? Brian Tate with his medical issues. Uh, Tony Rogers, who's recovering from uh, his surgery. Keep him in your prayers. Uh, as well as Jimmy Marlowe and uh, Robert Everett. Robert Everett still got some extended um, rehab with his knee replacement uh, surgery that he had, and so just continue to pray for him as he continues to go through rehab. And then also remember Miss Cindy Jordan with her medical issues, as well as uh, Wade Hall. Uh, any others that we need to highlight on our family side or any updates that you want to share tonight? All right, as you look over on the friends and family uh, side, uh, let me just start with a couple of our friends there, Kay and Bill Goff. Uh, Kay has dementia. Her husband was just recently diagnosed uh, with colon cancer. Uh, the last we talked with him uh, last week is he was still gonna be meeting with the oncologist to determine the course of action for what they were gonna do for his treatment. So keep him in your prayers with all of that. He's been the caregiver for Kay uh, over these last several years since she developed dementia. Uh, and so just pray for him and her and their families. I uh, do want to pray for the family of Scott Robertson as he passed away. Uh, and uh, they had his service the other day. So keep him, keep that family in your prayers. I want to remember uh, Joanne Woodson, uh, who has surgery coming up on the 15th. Uh, so I want to remember her. Um, anything you want to say else about that? 
Okay, so it's supposed to be a simple surgery, and we're praying that it will be. We want to remember the family of Carol uh, Daughtery. Uh, this is uh, Jim Daughtery's uh, stepmother who passed away, so we want to remember that family. Uh, also, we don't have them on the prayer list because they didn't allow us to put them on the prayer list. They already sent a call out, but we did. They did tell us we could do the bulletin this past Sunday. But so we want to remember uh, Gail uh, McBride in the passing away of her mother, and so keep her and her family uh, in your prayers. I want to remember Madison Barnett who has uh, Ewing sarcoma cancer, and then Jeff Brown who is Samantha's cousin. Uh, he's recovering from a triple bypass heart surgery. Uh, so keep him in your prayers. Uh, he's had a lot of issues over the last several years. He used to be over in the cross, north of Crossville area and would come over here to visit with us and come to church some. Uh, but he is now back in Florida uh, with his family down there and he had some health issues develop and wound up having to have triple bypass. So uh, I will wanna, do wanna give you one other update on uh, the friends and family side on Katie Jo Bailey. Uh, I went on her Caring Bridge uh, site uh, this afternoon uh, and printed off and just wanted to share with you what was written by her mother, Carol. Uh, she said, Happy New Year, so hard to believe it's 24. Uh, hoping you all had a wonderful Christmas time and New Year's holiday. KJ, uh, which is Katie Joe, uh, and I have been able to spend several days here in Tullahoma. Uh, so grateful to be with family and stay near the fireplace. Uh, KJ has ended up sitting more than she expected. Uh, after our drive into Tullahoma before Christmas, she began having pain in her right hip. Uh, we did check with ortho at Van Vanderbilt last week. Uh, Dr. Shiner could tell she had bursitis and gave her a cortisone shot. Uh, he didn't see any fracture or on the x-ray and hoped the bursitis pain uh, was radiating uh, into the groin. She says, unfortunately, her pain has gotten uh, more severe in the groin, uh, though she can tell the cortisone shot did help on the outside of the hip. So after dealing with a fracture in her left hip, uh, she has felt that there was a strong possibility that her right hip has been fractured. Uh, and so they're gonna be contacting Dr. Shinar, and this was a few days ago, uh, and they would have done that by now to pursue an MRI. Uh, she said that the amount of pain she's in leads us to think that something surgical will need to take place soon, but we're very nervous about this option. She said, so please pray for quick answers so KJ doesn't continue in this pain much longer. Uh, please pray that her knee uh, can wait while we fix her hip. Uh, and if any possibility of not doing replacement surgery is an option, that we would be able to take it. Uh, her body is not in the best place for any kind of major surgery. Uh, KJ's pulmonary rehab uh, was to begin next week in Memphis, that's this week. Uh, it was going to be one of the things that we hoped would get her body ready for the knee surgery. Her lungs are weak due to a lack of exercise because of the knees, and so it's just one thing after another that compounds, but she said that's gonna be postponed for now. Uh, she said KJ's immune system is still low due to medication that she's on uh, and her body's lack of making certain immune system cells. The ECP and IV, uh, IG infusions are helping with those, but again, we're hoping to allow them more time before surgery. She said that we're so grateful for all that Vanderbilt is doing. Uh, they're grateful to be able to still be with family, but KJ is getting tired as new problems pop up when we think we can start working on the old problems. Uh, each new joint injury causes less ability to do anything mobile, less ability to help her lungs. So they, they ask for prayer uh, that she can mentally uh, accept all the new complications uh, with God's ability to give a peace that passes understanding. Pray also, Carol asks, that we both can find the energy uh, to fight the scheduling headaches and advocate 
uh, for her best. And then also pre please pray for it, that if this AVN fracture, uh, that they can help her, help get her out of pain fast and her lungs can function well during the surgery. She also asked for prayer for the joints uh, that also have fractures, both elbows and her knee, uh, that those will not get worse and that the hip is definitely not willing to wait for those to get fixed uh, first. And so those are the prayer requests and they said that they love us uh, and uh, just continue to pray and pray for uh, the surgeons, the doctors that are taking care of KJ uh, with her uh, leukemia. So I know that's a long report, but we haven't given a report on her in quite some time. Any other updates or additions to the friends and family side? Yeah, we were going there next to the nursing home list. Uh, anybody else on the friends and family first? Okay, on the nursing home list, we have Mary Campbell uh, at NHC, Peggy Eggleston at Life Care, uh, Susie Barton at NHC, uh, Bertie Davis, who's at Brookdale, Janet Carter at MacArthur Manor, uh, Floyd Prince at Morning Point, Sue Prince at Morning Point, and Beverly Daniels at Manchester uh, Rehab. So keep all those in your, in your prayers. Uh, as was said this minute ago, uh, any of those and all of those, I'm sure would, in, 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 uh, would welcome uh, a card, a phone call, uh, if you're able to stop by and visit, some of the homes have had, had COVID over the last couple of weeks, but uh, one of the ones was Miss Janet's uh, nursing home that she's at at MacArthur Manor, but they, uh, after I talked to um, her, her daughter Lynette the, the other day, things have calmed down there, so you are able to go in uh, to see her. I know that Brother Bobby was not able to go in to see his brother uh, last week, uh, Hoyt Farrell, so uh, keep, keep all those people in your prayers, and if you have that opportunity, Write them a card, give them a phone call, stop by if you have the ability to do that. Uh, any others? All right, well, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer then. Uh, let me just double check Facebook here. Yes, good, glad I did. Uh, Miss Ella Thames had uh, mentioned here on her prayer request, uh, she said that Miss Pugh uh, that we've been praying for has returned to school. She's so thrilled to be back. Uh, it's like she's floating on clouds. So thank you so much for your prayers. Uh, for Miss Pugh that we've had on the prayer list, and she's doing much, much better. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer then for these and other prayer requests you may have on your heart tonight. Heavenly Father, we just want to come before you. Wow, Lord, as we have had so many things uh, going on with the holidays, and it seems like we've ha had just a little bit of a break to catch our breath, uh, Lord, we hit the ground running again, and there are so many, Lord, who are in need, and we want to get to those. But Lord, we want to come before your presence first, uh, acknowledging who you are, that you are a powerful and an almighty God. You are a holy God and a righteous God. And when we look at ourselves in the light of who you are and the light of all you've done for us and your grace and your mercy, we know, Lord, that we must come before you with hearts that are humble, uh, acknowledging our sinfulness before you, acknowledging where we have uh, committed sins against you and where we have omitted to do things that we should have done. So we come before you, Lord, asking first and foremost for you to wash us, for you to cleanse us with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that you will uh, fill us with your Holy Spirit, 
set us on a path of righteousness to follow you and to uh, obey you and to uh, experience the blessings that all that involves uh, in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would bring us to a place of repentance, especially for those, Lord, who don't know Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. We want to uplift them for you, to you tonight as we're uplifting the, our one uh, that we're praying for throughout this year to come to faith in Christ. Uh, Father, I pray that you will burden our hearts uh, for some individuals to write those names down and to, to make it a, a commitment, a firm commitment by doing that and having it placed on the cross here uh, so that we can be reminded uh, to be praying for those individuals. And thank you for the answers to prayers uh, over the last few years as we've been praying for those who were uh, on our cross. And Father, we pray uh, that you would just uh, hear our prayers tonight uh, on behalf as we intercede on behalf of each one of these that are on our prayer list. Uh, some of these, Lord, have lost loved ones in these past days, and so we pray for the Holy Spirit to come to them to be comfort and peace in their hearts. Uh, Lord, we pray that you'll give them a peace that passes all understanding. Uh, Lord, we pray for those who are still going through difficulties, some in the nursing homes, some who are facing surgeries, some who have just come out of surgeries. <coughs> and so we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would bring healing to their bodies, uh, give them a peace and a gentleness and any anxiousness that they may have in their hearts. Lord, we just pray that you'll cast that uh, away from them and help them to trust in you and, and may you give them that peace in, in the presence of, of all that they're going through in their hearts and in their lives. Lord, we want to come before you tonight uh, on behalf of these individuals asking for you not only uh, to give them that peace, Lord, but to bring the healing that they need to their bodies. You are the great physician. And we know, Lord, that there is none other that is able to, to bring that healing uh, like you can. And so we just pray, God, for you to touch them in a powerful way. Lord, I pray there'd be no way to explain the things that happen in their lives, that, that we would give a testimony and a witness to people around us, that these individuals would do the same to their caregivers, to, to the nurses and doctors and others who are in their circles of influence, to praise your name. For all that you are doing lord that even if they're still going through the difficulties that they would praise your name as they keep trusting in you one moment at a time one day at a time father we pray that you would just make yourself known to them uh, help them to keep enduring and to keep pressing on to have perseverance and and father i pray that you will help them to uh, just take one day at a time one moment at a time lord but to be faithful over each and every day that when they look back over the time that they have gone through, Lord, they could see that you were with them, sometimes carrying them, sometimes walking beside them, uh, sometimes, Lord, just ministering to them and those around them. So, Lord, we just want to make the name of Jesus uh, known and glorified in our lives, uh, even in the midst of difficulties that we're going through. So we pray for the other needs that are represented in each one of these. There's many physical needs here. Uh, there's emotional needs and, and mental needs. Uh, Father, we pray for you to uh, just bring a clarity of mind into the parts and lives of these individuals that, Lord, they would not listen to the, to the thoughts of the devil, but that they would focus on the truth of your word and be filled with your word and that your word would renew their hearts and their minds, uh, Lord, that they would not be confused in, in those times. Lord, I pray that uh, they would trust in you and may your word uh, renew their spirits 
uh, to keep pressing forward, that they would stand on the promises of your word. Lord, we want to pray and ask that you would meet uh, not only the, the emotional and mental needs there, there are many financial needs that go along with being sick. And so, Lord, we know that your grace is sufficient for all of our needs. Support your grace upon each and every one of these individuals for all the needs that they have in their lives. And, Lord, use us as a church in whatever way that we can, uh, whether that's visiting some individuals in the nursing homes or, or giving them a phone call or uh, just stopping by and visiting them, however that may be. Father, if we're writing a card to them, whatever it might be, Lord, I pray that you would use our efforts to reach out to them, to encourage them, uh, and to be a blessing to each and every one of them, not just those on our nursing home list, but those that are on our prayer list, uh, whether they're part of our church or whether they're just part of our family and friends. So, Father, we pray for your blessings tonight. As we come again to study the book of Zechariah, make it alive, make it powerful, make it sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, I just pray that your word would be nourishment to our souls. Lord, that it'll be a, a guide for uh, our decisions that we make each and every day. That it'll be encouragement for us for the future. Uh, knowing, Lord, that as we place our trust and our faith in you, you will see us through safely to the other side in glory with you, whether that's through drawing our last dying breath here or whether that's through the trumpet sounding and Jesus coming to call his church home. So bless us tonight as we get back to the book of Zechariah. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to the book of Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 11. Uh, if you're new with us tonight or you haven't been with us in a while and you're trying to remember, well, where is Zechariah? If you find the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, just go back two books uh, in, the, in the Bible there before the book of Matthew. Uh, there's Malachi that comes before that, and Zechariah is the book right before that. It has 14 chapters. We're in the 11th chapter, so we've only got three more uh, to go after this. Uh, and we'll be finished with the book of Zechariah by the end of January, barring something uh, keeping us from coming to church because of weather. <laughs> so we know it's going to be pretty cold uh, next week. So uh, chapter 11, I've entitled this message, Rejected, Rejected. Now, you could also look at it as a continuation of the message from last week in chapter 10, because in fact, that is what happens here uh, in chapter 11. It is a continuation, because these last two chapters have shown to us, have indicated to us, that Israel is going to be in trouble in the last days until... Their Messiah comes to rescue them, to cleanse them, to give them uh, a kingdom. And so as you think about that, you wonder, how did they get into all this trouble? I mean, think about where they are in their history at this moment. All the things that, that happened in the books of... First and Second Kings in the book of First and Second Chronicles under the kings uh, when they were uh, together and as one nation and then when the nation divided uh, after Solomon into a northern and a southern kingdom uh, they, they went through so much there and turning their backs upon God uh, that God brought judgment upon them and they were taken into captivity uh, during the time of David and Solomon uh, Israel was the most powerful nation uh, on this earth uh, their wealth and their uh, resources were beyond measure. After Solomon dies, though, so they had three kings. They had Saul, then they had David, and then they had Solomon. <coughs> and after Solomon's death, uh, the nation, as we said, divided into two kingdoms, a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. 
Israel is what the northern kingdom is referred to many times in the scripture. There's a few other names that it references uh, also for the northern kingdom, but primarily it's Israel. The southern kingdom is referenced as Judah. Israel, the northern kingdom, began to deteriorate. Uh, they began to fall away from God uh, very quickly. And so God sent the Assyrians to conquer them in the north and to scatter them. And in fact, the Assyrians even came down some into the southern kingdom. They had been affected uh, also by the northern kingdom. They had turned their backs uh, on God also. Uh, and so it was beginning to influence the, the southern kingdom themselves to turn upon God. And so they had gotten to Jerusalem itself, and then they had enemies who came to attack Assyria, and so they had to leave and go back and, and fight their battles back on their home front and left the southern kingdom there, still in shambles, but still united uh, as a southern kingdom. Uh, so the northern kingdom has been taken into captivity. Uh, they've been conquered by the Assyrians. Judah, the southern kingdom, uh, has a series of godless kings. And because of that, the people uh, begin turning their backs upon God. And so God sent the Babylonians to come uh, and to take Judah captive. Seventy years later... There's a small band of Jews who begin to return to their land to rebuild the temple. We studied about this before. They began rebuilding the temple, but then something happened. After they got the foundation built, they had a great celebration, and they rested on their laurels, and they said, you know, let's go over here and build our own house over here. And so they started focusing on themselves rather than on what God had wanted them to do. And so uh, life was difficult. Uh, the nation had none of its former glory. But over the years, they persisted uh, for 14 years. It just lay as a foundation. But eventually, uh, God sent some prophets to stir their hearts, Zechariah being one of those. Uh, some of the others that we've already gone through before, uh, they're sharing with them and, and giving God's message to them. And they get back to the work, and they restore the temple, and they restore the city. Uh, we're going to see that all of this is focusing on the coming of their Messiah, Jesus Christ, who does come to them. But when he comes to them in the New Testament, what do they do? They reject him. And they ask their Roman rulers to have him crucified. About 40 years later, after Jesus is crucified, about 40 years later, in A.D. 70, the Roman armies came and they did destroy Jerusalem and that temple that we're reading about that they were building here in Zechariah and finishing up, uh, they destroyed that temple and, and scattered the Jews to the nations uh, of the world because they didn't receive their own Messiah. They have been a scattered people ever since. And so this chapter that we're going to look at in chapter 11 uh, here explains the nation's rejection of the true Messiah and how they will accept a false Messiah, even still off out in the future, the Antichrist, who's going to appear at the end of the age, who's going to deceive even the whole world. And so we're going to see that the key image in, the, in this chapter is that of a shepherd. Now we talked about uh, last time the great shepherd. Uh, here We talked about how he is uh, the, the faithful shepherd. And so we looked at the work of the faithful shepherd in chapter 10, verse 1, down through verse 12. So we've already seen that part. Now we're going to see three different shepherds here <coughs> are presented. And so we're going to see the rejection here 
and as we get into this, look at the first part here in verse 1 through verse 3, the wailing, I started to use the word weeping, uh, but it's actually more than just a weeping of tears, it's a wailing uh, of the fallen shepherds as we read verse 1 down through verse 3. So Zechariah begins and says, Open your doors, O Lebanon, that the fire may devour your cedars. Wail, O Cyprus, for the cedar has fallen, for the glorious trees are ruined. Wail, oaks of Bashan, for the thick forest has been felled. The sound of the wall, well of the shepherds, for their glory is ruined. The sound of the roar of the lions, for the thicket of the Jordan is ruined. Now, you'll notice here these verses describe what happens as the city of Jerusalem is completely destroyed. Now, remember, it had already been destroyed before they came back from the captivity. So we know this is not talking about that destruction of Jerusalem. This is a future destruction of Jerusalem that this scripture is talking about. Uh, these verses are very predictive. It's a predictive prophecy that's foretelling the results of the people uh, of Israel rejecting their Messiah. Now, there's strong reason to think that this, pro this is the prophecy of, of what happened in A.D. 70 as the Roman army, under the leadership of General Titus, uh, came into Jerusalem and completely leveled uh, that city. Titus's army, uh, they tore down the temple until not one stone was left standing on top of another. Now, verses 1 and verse 2 talk about three different types of trees. Did you notice that? So anytime we see something repeated or a series of things, a group of things that are related, uh, we need to pay attention to that. So we see he talks about the cedar, he talks about the cypress, he talks about the oak. Now, we've heard of the cedars of Lebanon. If you've not heard of the cedars of Lebanon in Tennessee, there's a state park that we have that's called the Cedars of Lebanon State Park uh, that's up north of Murfreesboro uh, between there and, and um, um, Lebanon. Lebanon. Yeah, Lebanon. So the cedars of Lebanon. And so in the Bible, you see many times that's where they had returned to. They had turned to Lebanon to provide cedar for the building of, of the temple. In the Old Testament, uh, trees were often used to stand for leaders. And that's what we see here, such as kings and, and others among uh, God's people. So Zechariah cries out that all the great trees of old, the, the Lebanon, uh, the, the cedars of Lebanon, the cypress, uh, the oak, all of them have been ruined. And so what that is emphasizing and representing there from Zechariah is that Israel's leaders are falling. Uh, the leaders are being taken down and they're crying out before God because of their destruction. That word wailing there, as you notice that word in verse 3, the word wail means a distress signal. It's a howl. That's why I went back to use this instead of just using the word weeping here because it's really that, that guttural sound of, of deep mourning because of despair. It's a screeching sound here. A, a wail wasn't a sound that was made voluntarily. Instead, it was an involuntary response to some great loss or, or some great terror. 
And you've seen that maybe happen when someone has, has lost a loved one who they're very close to, and it's just like they can't control it. It's just loud outbursts of wailing and more than just a weeping of tears. And that's what we see here. These shepherds are wailing because their glory, their former glory, has been ruined. When you look at the word glory in verse 3, it's a Hebrew word that literally means a cloak or a coat or a garment. It was used in Jonah, in Jonah chapter 3 and verse 6, to describe the regal clothing of a king, symbolizing dignity and power. And so these shepherds, these human leaders who had depended on their own strength, who had uh, depended on their own wisdom and their own resources and their own cleverness and their own ingenuity, they had done all of that at the expense of humbly following the leadership of the Lord, the true shepherd of Israel that we read about back in chapter 10. Uh, and, and they found their glory and they found their dignity ruined by defeat and destruction. Now, when you come to the New Testament, you remember Caiaphas, the high priest? Caiaphas, the high priest, he thought that if he could just kill Jesus and get him off the scene, he would save the Jewish nation from destruction. But just the opposite occurred. Because by rejecting their Messiah, they opened the doors to God's judgment and to God's scattering of them. You know, it was true that Jesus died for the nation of Israel because he died for the sins of the world. But their rejection of the truth of Jesus Christ led to their acceptance of lies, and the result was the Roman invasion and the destruction of their temple and their city. So all of this that he's talking about here in these verses is something that's going to happen out in the future, what we know that happens in the days uh, of Jesus after he's crucified and the destruction that comes uh, in A.D. 70. So as you think about the wailing of these fallen shepherds at the destruction of Jerusalem, we see this. We see, we see and we learn some things for us to apply where we are. Human leaders will fall. Human leaders will fall. Not sometimes, but always. Because the Bible says we all fall short of the glory of God. There's not a single one of us. Doesn't matter if you're a, a, a political leader. Doesn't matter if you're a spiritual leader. It doesn't matter what kind of leader you are or what kind of not leader you are. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. So human leaders will always fall short. If we place faith and we place trust totally in a person, if we look to a person and we say, I'm placing my hopes and my dreams in this person. So, so take, for instance, uh, we have elections every four years for a president. If we place our hopes in that president, if we place our hopes in, in, a, in a congressional leader, if we place our hopes in a, in a particular governor of our state or a particular leader uh, of our world, we're going to get disappointed. Even at their very best, human shepherds fall short of the glory of God. Human shepherds always fall short. And that's why in this passage they are wailing in this passage because their glory has been ruined. Not because of things they didn't do, but because of what they did do. The judgment of God 
has come upon them. And so the first three chapters, the first three verses of this chapter are pointing to our need for a greater shepherd. A shepherd not tainted with sin. A shepherd uh, that, that is not tainted with selfishness. A shepherd who far surpasses the shortcomings of human shepherds. A shepherd like Jesus. Isn't that what Jesus said he is? He is the great shepherd. So we've seen the welling of the fallen shepherds. Now let's see the wisdom of the forsaken shepherd. You go to verse 4 down through verse 14. So beginning in verse 4 down through verse 6, the Bible says, Thus said the Lord my God, become shepherd of the flock doomed to slaughter. Those who buy them, slaughter them, and go unpunished. And those who sell them say, Blessed be the Lord. I have become rich, and their own shepherds have no pity on them. For I will no longer have pity on the inhabitants of this land, declares the Lord. Behold, I will cause each of them to fall into the hand of his neighbor and each into the hand of his king, and they shall crush the land, and I will deliver none from their hand. So beginning in verse 4 down through verse 6, <coughs> notice what God is calling Zechariah to be. He's saying to Zechariah, Zechariah, be the shepherd of the flock that's doomed for slaughter. It's like he's saying to Zechariah, I want you to be the pastor, I want you to be the shepherd of a church that's doomed for failure. I mean, who wants that position? <laughs> Nobody does. Nobody does. In essence, what we see here is God is commanding Zechariah to become a living picture of the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. So understand that apart from the life of Jesus Christ, it's nearly impossible to interpret Zechariah chapter 11, verse 4 down through verse 14. If we don't understand that this passage is pointing to Jesus, this passage won't make any sense to you at all. But in light of Jesus, God's wise but forsaken shepherd, you can begin to understand this passage. So uh, we go on down to verse 7, and in verse 7 we see how Zechariah began to shepherd this flock. So he says, okay, I became the shepherd. God told me to. I accepted the job. I knew it was not going to be pretty. They're being led to the slaughter. Uh, so he says, so I became the shepherd of the flock doomed to be slaughtered by the sheep traders. I took two staffs, one I named Favor, the other I named Union, and I tended the sheep. So he says that he took two staffs. A shepherd's staff was used to guide the sheep, sometimes to correct the sheep, sometimes to rescue the sheep, to pull them back from the edge of a cliff or, or even to reach over and pull them up from where they had fallen uh, over a cliff. One staff, notice what he calls it, favor. That means God's blessing, God's joy, God's promise to his people. The other staff, he calls it union. That speaks, first of all, of the union between God and his people, but also the union of God's people together, uh, bringing Israel and Judah together under one shepherd. So no longer are they to be a divided nation. That's what they had been before they went into captivity, a northern and a southern kingdom. He's saying no longer is that going to be. You're going to be under one shepherd. So Zechariah says that he led God's people in such a way that he took down and replaced all of their shepherds very quickly. So look at verse 8. He says, in one month, 
In one month, I destroyed the three shepherds, but I became impatient with them, and they also detested me. Now, the, who, what does this mean here? How do we interpret this? Who do we identify these as? Who are these three shepherds? Well, historically, there have been more than 40 different interpretations that have been given to this passage. But one of the oldest interpretations seems to be the best, the most logical. These three shepherds are the three classes of leaders that God had given to Israel. He gave them kings, he gave them priests, and he gave them prophets. Kings, priests, and prophets. And in every regard, the kings and the priests and the prophets of Israel, every time they failed. The king of Israel turned away from the living God and they started following after idols. The priests, who were supposed to be religious leaders, they, they stopped being holy men of God and they started abusing the people. Remember the prophets, the prophets of Israel, they stopped being God's spokesperson and they started saying things, whatever anybody wanted to hear. Whoever paid them more, or whoever wanted to listen to what they had to say, uh, they, would, they would lie to kings, they would lie to people, they would tell lies that it wasn't what God was saying. And as a result, in a very short time, uh, here we see Zechariah destroys these three, but we see ultimately it's the Messiah uh, who will destroy and replace all of those inadequate shepherds. Because remember, Zechariah is being a picture of the Messiah, of Jesus Christ. And so he's going to destroy and replace all of those inadequate shepherds. He came, he ruled over God's people with favor and with union. He replaces all those inadequate shepherds that had come before him because he is the only true and wise shepherd, God's Messiah. So as you continue in verse 8, you can see how God's people responded to the wise shepherd. I destroyed the three shepherds, but I came, became impatient with them, and they also detested or rejected me. So largely, the flock rejected him. Jesus came to rule over God's people with wisdom, but every single time they rejected the Messiah as their shepherd. As we think about Israel's rejection of Jesus Christ, it reminds us, uh, to, it brings to mind the question, why do people reject Jesus? Well, some people reject Jesus because they don't want to admit that he is God. Some refuse to give up control of their lives to him. And that's why they reject him. Others reject him because they think that they've heard everything about Jesus and they find Jesus to be outdated, he's old-fashioned, I don't want anything to do with him. They want someone or something that makes them feel more sophisticated, more intellectually challenging. Some reject Jesus because they feel embarrassed to follow him in a culture that is increasingly mocking and ridiculing his name. Still others don't want to follow Jesus as their shepherd because it would mess up their religion. It would mess up their pride that they have in it. So when Jesus walked on this earth, the people of Israel used all of those reasons to reject him. What did the great shepherd do when his sheep rejected him? 
even though the wise shepherd is rejected and forsaken, understand this, he's not a pushover. So he was impatient with them. He, they detested him. They rejected him. Verse 9. So I said, I will not be your shepherd. What is to die? Let it die. Don't call out to me. That's basically what he's saying. What is to be destroyed? Let it be destroyed. And let those who are left devour the flesh of one another. And I took my staff favor and I broke it, annulling the covenant that I made with all the peoples. So it was annulled on that day, and the sheep traders who were watching me knew that it was the word of the Lord. Then I said to them, If it seems good to you, give me my wages. But if not, keep them. And they weighed out my wages, 30 pieces of silver. And the Lord said to me, Throw it to the potter the lordly price at which I was priced by them. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord to the potter. Then I broke my second staff union, annulling the brotherhood between Judah and Israel. So when his people rejected him and detested him, he says, I'm not going to be your shepherd then. And he takes that staff favor and he breaks it. Later he does the same thing we read there with the staff called Union. And he leaves them without a good and wise shepherd. Now understand this, God is long-suffering. And he waits for sinners to repent. He waits for people to believe. He gives us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. But there comes a time when he has done all that he will do to reach us. And that had happened to Israel when Jesus was ministering on this earth. John chapter 12, verse 37 says, Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 37 and 38, he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house now is left to you desolate. So Zechariah, giving a picture of what the Messiah is going to do, he quits being the shepherd. He resigns. And after resigning as shepherd over his flock, Zechariah, he asks for his wages, which leads us to one of the most uh, striking messianic prophecies in Scripture in verse 12 here that was written hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born, but prophecy, prophesies exactly how he's going to be rejected in great detail. Look at that verse again. So verse 12 said there, I said to them, if it seems good to you, give me my wages, but if not, keep them. And they weighed out my wages 30 pieces of silver. In Exodus chapter 21 and verse 32, the same amount of silver was listed as what somebody would pay for a slave who had been injured to the point that they were no longer able to work. That's what 30 pieces of silver 
was worth. A broken down, run down slave who's been broken, who can't even work. An able-bodied slave would bring twice as much that amount of money. So basically, what the people are saying to Zechariah here is, to their shepherd, and the picture of what he's giving of Jesus, uh, who had ruled over them and guided them with such wisdom and love, they are saying to Zechariah, and what the people said to Jesus, you're worthless to us, we're only going to pay you as much as we would pay an injured slave. And in the life of Jesus, this prophecy was fulfilled when Judas Iscariot betrayed Jesus for the same amount. In other words, saying about Jesus, that's what they were saying when they gave him 30 pieces of silver, you're worthless, Jesus. You're not even worth a good slave. You're worth uh, as much as a run-down, broken-down slave that can't even work for anything. Jesus Christ, he had come as God's great wise shepherd, and yet Jesus was forsaken. John 1 verse 11 says, He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Here's the truth we see illustrated in these verses. We shouldn't reject Jesus because he's the shepherd we need the most. If we reject Jesus, he'll ultimately reject us. And rejecting Jesus leaves us with only one alternative, and that's to follow shepherds who will hurt us. And so when we refuse to trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, when we refuse to, to follow the Lord as our shepherd, we inevitably will follow somebody or something that's going to lead us to destruction. So we've seen the wailing of the fallen shepherds. We've seen the wisdom of the forsaken shepherd. Now let's look at the worthlessness of the false shepherd. Verse 15 down to verse 17. Because in the final portion of this chapter, God calls Zechariah here to do something very unusual. Remember earlier, he had portrayed a good shepherd. But now he's to portray a foolish, evil worthless shepherd so look at verse 15 then the lord said to me take once more the equipment of a foolish shepherd for behold i am raising up in the land a shepherd <coughs> who does not care for those being destroyed or seek the young or heal the maimed or nourish the healthy but he devours the flesh of the fat ones, tearing off even their hooves. So here we see in those two verses here, the word foolish in verse 15 is giving a picture of somebody who is morally deficient and corrupt. Verse 16 says that this kind of shepherd won't even care for the sheep. He won't even seek them if they go wandering off away. He don't care. If they're hurt, he does nothing to, to tend to them, to heal their wounds. Instead, his only purpose is to devour them, to destroy them totally, even to the point of tearing off their hooves. So that's the kind of shepherd Zechariah is being told by God to be towards the people. Now, be a foolish shepherd, because I want you to paint a picture before the people of what's going to happen when they reject the great shepherd. So the prophet's actions are showing here that despite having God's Messiah, Israel is going to turn to these false shepherds. And so Jesus spoke of this when he said in John 5, verse 43, he said, I have come in my Father's name, 
and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. These false shepherds were going to be ones who would come and abuse the people of Israel, take advantage of them, harm them mercilessly. In fact, that's exactly what you see when Jesus uh, was here in his ministry on this earth. You remember when he goes uh, to the tabernacle, to the, t to the temple there, and they're, they're doing the money changing in the temple courtyards? They're abusing the people. Uh, they're, they're, they're taking advantage of them. You know, many conservative interpreters say that the ultimate expression of this foolish shepherd is the antichrist of the end times. Because he's going to be one who's going to deceive and abuse not only Israel, but the entire world. In fact, the Bible says in Revelation 13 and verse 7, also it was allowed to make war, talking about the Antichrist, on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given it, given the Antichrist, over every tribe and people and language and nation. According to Daniel chapter 9 and verse 27, the Antichrist is going to actually be able to make a covenant with the Jews for seven years. I mean, it sounds absurd that the Antichrist is going to be able to make a covenant with God's chosen people for seven years. Now, probably this is for the purpose of protecting them so they can rebuild the temp their temple, resume their sacrifices. But after three and a half years, as you read the, the, the prophecies of what happens, he breaks the covenant, he puts his own image in the temple, and he forces the world to worship himself. But the fact that God's chosen people who possess the inspired scripture would reject Jesus the Messiah who is the truth who came from the Father and that they would follow a person who is a liar who's energized by Satan who is incredible it's just all incredible to comprehend but it's going to happen just like the scripture says so go down to verse 17 Zechariah eleven seventeen 17 ends with a word of condemnation for this false shepherd so even though his people will follow the Antichrist the Lord is going to judge this false shepherd notice what he says Woe to my worthless shepherd who, de who deserts the flock. May the sword strike his arm and his right eye. Let his arm be wholly withered and his right eye utterly blinded. So in other words, this false shepherd, uh, he's going to judge him by breaking his power. That's what's meant by the right arm. And he's going to confuse his mind. That's what's meant by the right eye there, uh, the window to the mind to the soul. And then the Messiah is going to come from heaven and confine him to the lake of fire for a thousand years in Revelation chapter 19. And during that thousand years, the great shepherd Jesus Christ is going to come and reign in his millennial kingdom. Israel is going to receive the blessings promised by the prophets, and the church is going to reign with him. Romans 8 verse 21 says that this also is going to happen, that creation itself is going to be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So ultimately, the true shepherd is going to triumph over the false shepherds. There was a story I came across that illustrates this so perfectly for us. There was a group of tourists that were visiting Israel. They were on their bus, and their tour guide had his microphone in his hand. He was describing side after side as they're going around Israel. And as they were coming out of the city of Jerusalem, they were going into the Judean hills. He says, when we get into these hills, you're going to see Bedouin shepherds. They tend their sheep, he said, in much the same way that shepherds did during the time of Jesus. He said they still wear the, the same type of clothing. 
they still do the same type of things that the shepherds did hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Well, the tour guide continued and he said, you'll notice the Bedouin shepherds, they always lead the sheep. They stand out in front and they call them or they lead them with their rod and their staff. And then he said, but the shepherds will never get behind the sheep and drive them. So the bus reached the hill country. The tourists, they saw a flock of sheep. And they see this man dressed in Bedouin clothing with the sheep. He had a whip in one hand, he had a stick in the other. And he was beating the sheep and driving them. One of the guys in the back of the bus asked the question that everybody on the bus was thinking and said, we thought you said that the sheep always, uh, the shepherd always leads the sheep. Why is this shepherd driving the sheep? The tour guide said, ah, my friend, that's not the shepherd, that's the butcher. Where and how you wind up depends on who you follow. That's the message of Zechariah chapter 11. False shepherds always wind up being butchers. They always drive God's people to destruction. But Jesus is the good shepherd who leads to eternal life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a picture that Zechariah has painted for us of Jesus, the Messiah who came, who lived a perfect sinless life, who, who did miracle after miracle and yet was rejected by his own people. And yet, he still went to the cross, even though they rejected him. And he died on the cross for them and for us, was buried in the tomb and arose on the third day, ascended to the Father, and one day is coming again. Father, I pray that before that day comes, we will have did everything we needed to resolve in our hearts to follow Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Lord, who we follow determines where we wind up. We can listen to the false shepherds of this world, and it's always going to lead us to destruction. So, Father, help us to listen to the truth of your word and to follow you each and every day of our lives. And Lord, may you keep us on the path of righteousness for your name's sake, that we would bring glory and honor to you, and that you might bring blessing into our lives. Lord, help us to always follow the Good Shepherd. Lord, if we've not trusted by faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, may we call out to him by faith, acknowledging our sin, confessing our trust and our belief in what Christ did for us on the cross and his burial and resurrection uh, from the tomb. And Father, I pray that you will send Jesus and the Holy Spirit into the people's lives who make that profession. Lord, send the Holy Spirit into their lives to change them forever, to help them to live for you all the days of their life. Lord, help us as believers to keep following the shepherd, the good shepherd, one day at a time, no matter how bad things might get, to keep on trusting you, to keep on following you. And may your blessings be upon us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, thank you so much for being with us here uh, online uh, tonight. Thank you for being here in person. Uh, we look forward to seeing you this coming Sunday, 9, 15, 
for Sunday school, 10.30 for worship. Come and join us in person if you can. Uh, you'll receive a wonderful blessing from that. Uh, but we'll be back in the life of Jesus once again. Uh, we're, we're about two sermons away from the very end of what we're going to be looking at in the life of Jesus. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, the, the Great Commission this coming Sunday. We'll be talking about the Ascension uh, the following Sunday. Uh, and so I uh, want to encourage you to come and be a part of that if you can't. Join us there online. Uh, stay safe. We'll see you this coming Sunday.